You're listening to Steady Picks Radio. Steady Picks is your source for industry-leading sports betting data and the latest news and information to help you bet smarter and start winning. Go to www.steadypicks.com to learn all the ways that you can listen to Steady Picks Radio and let our expert hosts help you win some money. Remember, betting is more fun when you win. Picks Radio, wake up and wager. Welcome back into the show. Happy Wednesday, November 2nd. And today we've got golf. Mayakoba Classic. I don't believe that's what it's called. Yeah, Mayakoba, Mayakoba Golf Classic in beautiful Puerto Rico this week. We've got a couple picks to make. I've made a few bets. I'm looking for a few more, which I will share with everybody. The model has been run, um, so we can take a look at some of that. Um, I'm really interested in the top 20 market this week. There's a couple of uh, folks that I'm really, really looking at to target. Um, We are, of course, going to make sure we shop this one around. Um, There aren't a lot of good odds comparison tools that allow you to do this or do it well uh, for something like golf top 20s. Um, So just keep that in mind as you use those tools. It's sometimes it's better to just go and look yourself like the outrights are generally pretty good. Like bad stamp, the outrights are, are strong or accurate. But the top 20 markets just don't seem to be. They don't have every sports book. It's just kind of strange. But it's okay because it's tough to do, you know, literally everything. So top 20, we'll just take a little peek and let's see. Yeah, see, some of these numbers are so different. You just really, really have to be careful and shop around. Like, it is just so important. So important. So we're going to go ahead and place that bet at least for now. Uh, let's see. See, and then the prices aren't even right on here anyway. So um, I don't know. Like I found a really good number on this guy. I guess we should talk about what we're going to do here. Over to the model. Um, a handful, no surprises here. Mayakoba, um, this is being played at Elk. I don't know how to say it. Don't know how to say what this course is. But they've played here before. They've played here for a couple of years. El Camelion. Oh, God, that's so bad. <laughs> I should practice this 
this crap before I get on here. Um, but no. They played at this course before, so we do have some historical data. They've, they've played here the last few seasons. We kind of throw that all together. Really the key at this course, driving accuracy, a little bit of driving distance, which will help in some approach. Outside of that, I wouldn't say putting or around the green is particularly particularly important here. Driving distance is, that's a good way to think about it. Driving distance is less important here than it is on the average PGA Tour course. But driving accuracy is almost twice as important. Approach is much more important. Around the green is about the same. Putting is about the same. So really what it comes down to is the driving accuracy. You may ask who are some of the more accurate drivers on tour that you might want to look at. Who are some of the most accurate guys that are playing in this tournament? Chaz Reavy, believe it or not, comes to the top of that list. Ryan Armour, Aaron Ray, Brendan Todd, Ryan Moore. Brendan Todd always does well on these kinds of courses. Colin Morikawa's there. Russell Henley's there. And the list goes on and on. And while, yes, this is very important, I'm not sure it's the most important thing for me. Anyway, so Aaron Ray, we mentioned him. He's a guy that I have pretty pretty darn high. Somebody like Ches Reavy, though, I'm just afraid he's not good enough at other things to get him through to this tournament. We'll see, because I don't have him rated very high, but he is, you know, extremely high on... Uh, on that particular stat. Somebody like Aaron Ray ranks really pretty strong in my rankings. He's a better overall golfer, which is going to help him, you know, while he doesn't have quite the same accuracy levels as Chaz Reavy. He's just playing as a much better golfer, which is going to help. Um, so we go on and on and on all the way down. And, uh, yeah, I think it's fascinating to kind of use some of these numbers and, and look at this. Ugh. All right. So the guys I have at the top of the list will go from top to bottom. Well, top to, you know, 10 or 15 or so. They're Tony Finau at the top, Victor Hovland, Aaron Wise, Eric Van Royen makes an appearance, number four. Scotty Scheffler, number five. Tom Hoagie, Colin Morikawa, S.H. Kim, Billy Horschel, Tyler Montgomery, I'm sorry, excuse me, Taylor Montgomery, Maverick McNeely, Hayden Buckley, Lee Hodges, Emiliano Grillo, Travis Vick. That rounds out your top 15. And again, these will be posted. I'll post this on my Twitter page at 
SteadyPix underscore Tom. I will post this here so that you can take a look for yourself and find something you like and see what, see what you want to play. I do that every single week through the golf season. I think um, I just enjoy sharing it, and I, you know, it makes me really happy when we get people that you know discuss it and talk about it. So, if you have questions, if you'd like to know more, by all means, please reach out. Um. Okay, Eric Van Royen's an interesting one, and one I I didn't see on this list of you know who does well here or who does. Who fits the course, I should say. I think Aaron Van Royen's a really good pick for this week, if I'm being honest. The fact that he's, uh, and I have 100 to 1 on here, but I actually see him at 200 to 1. And that's exactly where I bet him at 200 to 1 to win the tournament. Long shot, yes, of course. Has never played this course. He's been cut three in the last five tournaments that he's played. There's certainly room for this to go horribly wrong. But off the tee and the approach numbers are strong. The guy I like the most, though, is probably Aaron Wise. In the last four years, he has three top 20s, one cut. Three top 20s, including a 15th, a 10th, and a 2nd place for Aaron Wise. He's good at this course. He's been playing well. His skill set matches what you need at this course. I like Aaron Wise a whole heck of a lot today, uh, this week. So he's probably my favorite pick of the week. Um, and so I do have him outright, and I have him top 20. Now the top 20 number... Again, it's very important to pay attention to. Very, very important to pay attention to. Aaron Wise on FanDuel plus 130 for a top 20 this week. Plus 130. MGM doesn't offer a top 20. DraftKings has him at minus 115 for the top 20. So again, shop around at least a couple of spots that are going to have these markets because they can be very, very different. So please shop around. But Aaron Wise, yeah, big, big difference in his price to be top 20. Um, see who else, if we can pick off any anyone else that we like. That maybe has a big gap between, you know, I'm curious what uh, Eric Van Royen is to be in the top 20. Maybe we should bet him top 30, to be honest. I would have thought the market would like him a little bit, but it doesn't seem that they do literally at all. So much so that I'm like having a hard time finding him. Everywhere I keep looking, I just keep missing his name. So what does that tell you? Uh, yeah, I don't see him on the top 20 list. I'll look for him later. It's too hard to look and, and talk. I can't. Uh, I can't compute that much. In my tiny little brain. <laughs> Moral of the story is. Please shop around. These numbers are just so different. I see a 5 to 1 at DraftKings. 
five to one for him to be the top twenty. Uh, plus four sixty at Fanduel. There we go. Jeez, five to one for him to be in the top twenty. I don't know if that's enough for how long of a shot he is. I kind of was expecting a little bit more, to be honest. Okay, so the guys I have outright in no particular order, but I think Aaron Wise is my favorite. But in no particular order, Aaron Wise, 20 to 1. That's at BetMGM. That is the best number available. And again, we used, let's just make sure here. Yeah. So we used um, bet stamps, odds to kind of make sure we're getting the best number on this stuff. They don't have everything, so you have to kind of cross back and forth between a couple different options. So just be aware of that. But I'll give you the best numbers that I found uh, and the numbers that I bet. Aaron, um, Aaron Wise, 20 to 1. That's at BetMGM. I took Tom Hoagie, 30 to 1. Also, Ben MGM, best number available. Uh, really, by by far, I think that was a pretty outlying number on Tom Hoagie. Do, do, do. Let's see. Yeah, 29 to 1 at FanDuel. It's 30 to 1 is a good number. Tony Finau, 18 to 1. He ranks number one on this list. He's played this tournament three times. One cut, two top 20s, and a T45. Give me Tony Finau. I know a lot of players come to this tournament as like a vacation. Give me Tony Finau to maybe make a statement. Maybe the best sleeper pick of the week. Maverick McNeely. Nobody will be talking about Maverick McNeely besides me. And I've got him, what, inside of the top 15 or so on the on the rankings. He's really good at this course. Three top uh, 30s, including a 26th, a 12th, and an 11th. He's playing good golf right now. The, the stats translate to the course. Maverick McNeely might be a good shot. And then Billy Horschel at 18 to 1 was the best number I could find on Billy Horschel. Um, I did see there was better for him out there at some point, uh, but not anymore. So Billy Horschel, I see 16 to 1s at the other major ones, 18 to 1 at MGM. That's going to have to do for that. And then, of course, the long shot of the day. Eric Van Royen, 200-1 to 1 at BetMGM. I love that bet. 200-1. to 1. I think that's completely mispriced. Based on my numbers, he should be much more relevant this weekend than that. And so all those outrights, those 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, there should be 7 outrights. Because the first one I bet was do 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 missing one. I'm missing one. I think. 
One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ah, Emiliano Grillo is the one we're missing. 34 to 1. That's the one we're missing on an outright. So we've gotten to quite a few. You might be asking yourself, Tom, you told me that, you know, these tournaments in the middle of winter, like you should be careful. And yes, you should, but it's all about how much you're betting, not how many bets you make. Well, I shouldn't say that, but (laughs) it's important to just, if you're going to bet more guys, spread it out a little thinner. You know, I usually like to bet maybe two units, unit and a half roughly on outrights each week, and then I'll do about a unit to two units of top, uh, sometimes a little more, maybe one and a half to two and a half to three units on top 20s, top 40s, this matchup, this prop, whatever. So I try to balance it out so that if you win an outright, you kind of cover your weekend. If you lose some outrights and you pick some top 20s and some matchups and some stuff pretty well, you can still come in the green, come out of it in the green. Like I just like to diversify because if you just throw darts at uh at outright winners all year, like we were good last year, we had several outright winners. But if you start doing that, uh, you're gonna be in. It's just gonna be a miserable season for you if that's all you do. Because you're gonna only be happy at the end of a tournament a handful of times. If you're lucky. Last year we had so many outright winners, it was fantastic, but we've gone, I mean, we, you go on a stretch a month and a half where you don't even sniff an outright. Nobody's even in the conversation. And that's mostly how we've started this year. So a um, bunch of outrights this week, lower the units or lower the bet size a little bit to, to meet into about one unit worth of outrights. Because again, here's the other thing. You know, people often, you know, think about that and they're like, oh, Tom, I'm going to bet, you know, I'm going to bet $10 on this outright and it's barely going to, like, I'm only going to win a little bit. I don't want to do that. That's stupid. Like, I'm only going to win 180 bucks if I, if I get Tony Fina right. I bet 10 bucks. That's stupid. Well, guess what? Betting golf is really hard. And if you just go out there and taking five unit bombs on every single player that you like, you know, a unit here, a unit there, a unit there, you hundred bucks, hundred bucks, hundred bucks. All of a sudden you're gonna be broke. Waiting for that one week to come along. So it's a long term game. Don't worry about that you're betting a pretty small, insignificant amount of money by itself on one outright, but you just have to balance everything. Save that 100, 500 bucks, whatever it is, for a top 20, a top 40, a matchup. Don't drop it on the outrights. Because believe it or not, it's very difficult to pick a winning golf, a winning golfer. Very difficult. Um, so this week we're really just trying to dodge. We're going to try and dodge the bullets of Scheffler, Hovland, 
Morikawa. Hovland's won this tournament twice. I believe he is back-to-back defending champs at this tournament, which is the Worldwide Technology Championship, I believe, at Mayakoba is what they're going with. I think it was the Mayakoba Championship in years past, and then they changed it to Worldwide Technology. I don't know. Either way, the guys that are going to kill us is if Scheffler, Hovland, or Morikawa gets home. After that, we've got a nice chunk of the next field, the next group of guys. So if we can avoid winning with, you know, if one of those short shots can avoid winning, I think we're going to be in a pretty good spot. And I don't see why, you know, Scheffler and Morikawa, they're not out there to, to win this tournament. They're out there for vacation. Have a little fun. So, again, this will get posted on Twitter as soon as we are done the show. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening, of course. And uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get off for today is I just see so much stuff. We talked about this a little bit the other day when I was with some buddies and you hear them talking about you know betting and what they're betting on and it just makes you cringe as kind of a plus EV guy if you will, if you'll allow me that that name. I try to be. But I can tell you when whenever you, I don't even want to say that. Always try to teach them something. And I have a hard time with this because I could go down the rabbit hole of like, oh, this is blah, 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 and just start rattling off facts and numbers and, that doesn't really land with people. So it kind of just has a emotional intelligence thing. You've got to understand how to communicate with people properly and correctly. And so that they get the most out of the conversation. That's what you have to think about. So as you're talking to people and they talking about parlays and blah, 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 stuff that's nonsense, think about how you can make it interesting for them to listen a little bit and to learn something. The reason I'm talking about this today, though, is I saw a tweet that someone was talking about live betting, which we don't talk about a lot on this show or even on Steady Picks in general, but I do believe live betting is going to be one of the, the next like great revolutions of golf. Evolutions, I should say where live betting is going to become such a powerful tool. I believe there's great opportunity in live betting. I personally don't have the time, patience, or energy to get into that because that requires excruciatingly hard work of sitting in front of the TV or a model as games are happening all night to grind out you know, edges. That's something I'm, I'm not interested in doing. But if you are, I think there is a tremendous edge to be had in live betting. Because as before the game starts, a market, a sports betting market kind of works like this. The bookmakers post a number early in the week or a day before. 
sharp betters come around and bet this this way, that way, recreational guys, this way, that way, everybody gets their bets in. The bookmaker, with all that information, adjusts the line accordingly with where he wants to go. If all the sharp guys are crushing him at a certain on a certain side, he'll move it that way until he stops getting crushed. Not necessarily trying to balance the book 50-50, remember. Trying to keep the sharp action away and find a good spot for the book to make money and be on the side of, of the sharp betters. With that said, that's their main goal. So I do believe there's a great opportunity on live betting. That's what happens before the market goes live. Once it goes live, there are not people or things monitoring the live line. What happens is it becomes an algorithm of, okay, this is the current game state, and this is based on whatever data they're using, all the historical data in the world, I'm sure, and all the other things they're using, this is the probability of this happening based on the game state that is in front of them. Now, can that be very flawed? Absolutely. And it often is in many, many cases. The one I think of the most was there was an NFL game, and I'll butcher the details of this because I suck at remembering things. <coughs> Excuse me. There was a uh, there was a football game last season that was played in an absolute like uh, it was the it was a snowstorm like it was snowing sideways upside down the wind was blowing so hard there was snow on the ground it was just bitter cold out and we had a really really low total in that game I forget it was thirty. 36 or 37 or something, maybe even lower, 32 comes to mind. And within two seconds of that game, you knew there were not going to be any points. Was it a Bills game? I think it was. But within two minutes of watching that game, you said there is not going to be a goddamn point in this game. They can't even run without getting blown over. There's just no way anybody's going to score. I think it's a perfect example of, okay, the books, the, the market goes live. The books aren't really monitoring that part, like themselves anymore. And so they use the same algorithm that they use for any other game that gets off to a slow start. And you've all seen this. When a game gets off to a slow start, the total start, the live in-game total comes down a little bit. And then you're determining whether you think, you know, hey, are these teams going to start scoring or is it really going to be a slow game? So the game goes on and on. The snow's coming down. It's going upside down. It's so windy. No points are being scored. You saw a field goal attempt straight into the wind that literally went, and this was in pregame, but it it happened during the game where the wind just was crazy. The guy kicked it, and it, like, blew back into his face, right? Like, it went up in the air, and it, like, blew back past him. (laughs) Like, that's how windy it was. And so you see that. 
and you see the start of the game and the conditions are horrible and the total comes down normally as it would if it was 70 degrees and sunny in Tampa, Florida. The total slowly comes down as the game goes on and that's all an algorithm being done in the background to determine, okay, there's this much time. This is where the ball is on the field. There's this much time left in the game. This is the current score. This is what the offenses look like. And here's the, here's the new total, the live total. And in that particular scenario, they did not account for the fact that there was a hundred mile an hour wind and snow. I guess it accounted for the snow. They accounted for the snow because the total was low to begin with, right? Pre-game was 37 or 36 or something low. But they didn't account for what the wind would do. And so as the game's going on, the total's still in the 30s, high 20s, even mid-20s, low 20s. You're like, there is no way on this earth that anyone is going to score more than six points in this snowstorm unless it just disappears. The snowstorm just disappears, right? And people made a ton of money on that game. I, I bet it a couple of times too, not as big as I would have, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, with betting. But, you know, I bet it a couple times for a little bit of money. And that's the sort of opportunity you that live bettors dream about. A situation that's unique, that's something different, that doesn't get counted and accounted for in some algorithm throwing out live numbers. I think we see it a lot with the end of the first and second halves in the NFL. Well, maybe the first halves, really. Where a team, you know, just based on certain certain um, complexities of the game and nuances of the game that I think don't get picked up at all. You know, if a team's going to get the ball back at the at the start of the second half, what do they do with their last drive in the first half? Are they pushing to get points? Are they winning? Are they losing? What does that look like? Some of that stuff I don't think is entirely captured in the in the live market. And I'm sure there's other examples. I'd be curious to know if you can think of any. Yeah, please let me know at SteadyPix underscore Tom on Twitter. Are there any live betting scenarios that you remember over the last couple of years that were just too good to pass up? Mine is that snow and, and wind game. I think it was a Buffalo game that I'll never forget. Well, obviously I forget the teams, but I'll never forget the circumstance and how bad that game was and how much of an opportunity there was to just keep betting live unders for like an hour into that game. So yeah, at SteadyPix underscore Tom, let me know if there's other um, live betting in-game opportunities that you've seen that you'll remember that stick with you. And the whole reason I tell this story is that on Twitter I saw a tweet with somebody saying, that rule of thumb, this is, and I should read it, but rule of thumb for live betting. Never bet a worse number than what you could have gotten. Let's see if we can, I'll see if I can find the exact tweet. But essentially what they were referring to 
is that you should never bet. Oh, I got to pull this up. Just, just horrible. Rule of thumb, never take a worse number pre-in-game. It's the most asinine thing that you could ever say on Twitter. And this is somebody, and I don't want to get into names. That's not what I want to do. But people follow this person. I mean, people literally follow this person's bets. And they're out there telling people, just absolute false, just lies. Because here's the thing with live betting. It doesn't matter. As soon as the game starts, it does not matter one tiny bit what the pregame number was. The situation is completely different. Even if one second has rolled off the clock, the game is different. 10 minutes, 10 seconds, an hour, it doesn't matter. As soon as the game has started, the game state is different. So therefore, there's no reason why you can't bet something in-game that's worse than it was pre-game. So in my snow example, this would mean that as you see a 100-mile-an-hour wind blowing backwards, blowing the ball backwards, knocking people over, that you should never, ever bet, continue to bet the under because the under is becoming a worse and worse number. In that logic, you would be looking to bet the over or not bet it at all, potentially, but saying that you should never bet the under if it opened, if it started at, you know, pregame, right before the game, it closes 38, the total of 38. And then as soon as the game starts and the wind blows 100 miles an hour, it's 33, that the under can't possibly be a good bet because we're getting a worse number. That's nonsense. That thought process is absolute garbage. Please know that. It is so wrong and so incorrect. I can't even believe I read it. And it, the worst part is I respect this person. I did. But I just, that, it's just so disappointing. It's so disappointing. As soon as the game starts, the pregame number means nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. All that matters is what's happened in the game up to that point. And I think I think this is one of the things in sports betting that intuitively makes sense to you, to people. Yeah, the pre-game doesn't matter because if they, you know, I, I can't even think of another example besides the snowstorm. I mean, there's millions of them. Right, the pre-number doesn't matter. Okay, it's a NFL normal NFL Sunday, normal weather, right? And there's some total in the game. The first kickoff gets returned out of the end zone, and they get to the other, you know, into the red zone, let's say. They get to the 20-yard line. They're in the red zone already. That number is going to drastically change because the game has started. Even though it's only been 15 seconds of the game on the very first kickoff, that number, the total, the spread, everything has changed because the game state has changed. 
There's a team on the 20-yard line now, not the game hasn't started. So to assume that the pre-game numbers mean anything at that point is nonsense. The only thing that matters then is that they are on the 20-yard line in the red zone. Compute that to see if there's some value in something you want to bet. The pre-game number means nothing. And again, you'll have probably seen that total shoot up. Maybe three points or something because they're in the red zone. The books are going to assume they're going to get some points. You're kind of gambling. Okay, do we want to go, you know, thinking he's getting a touchdown, you'll get some value. There's all those things you can do. But at the end of the day, I don't care if the number moves 20 points in the quote-unquote wrong direction on an in-game number from the pregame. If it's still a good bet, I'm going to bet it every time. So, sorry to belabor that point. I think I, I think I uh, took a little bit too long with that. So I apologize. I didn't mean to to drag that on so much, but I think it's so important. Please, just understand. Just horrible. It's just disappointing. That's all. Um, Steady Picks Radio, SteadyPicks.com. Thank you so much for your time. As always, this morning again, it's at SteadyPicks underscore Tom. Happy to help you with anything you need. Don't be like these people. Be a little bit smarter with steady picks. Thank you so much. Oh, but you can.